Welcome to IP Frequently, the world's greatest intellectual property podcast. We are your hosts, Brad Chief and David Britham, and we are brought to you by Dominion Harbor's IPedia, the automation of innovation. Hello, and welcome to another episode of IP Frequently. IP Frequently, the number one IP podcast in the galaxy. I'm here this week, uh, David Pridham, with my colleague, one L. Bradley Sheaf, who's just recently over the COVID. Brad, how are you? I'm well, buddy. I'm well. I uh, had a cold, like uh, everybody else who has COVID, and uh, now I'm fine. So, Out of quarantine? Out of quarantine, off the books, no more uh, hordes of public health lunatics circling the house. I think we're fine. All right. Well, that's good. So you can go back out into public and show your face. Indeed. Well, I mean, you can't really show your face in public anymore. You got to wear a mask. But to the extent that portions of your face are showable in public, I'm, I'm back in that category. Yes. Well, I'll tell you what, since you're uh, back in the land of the living, you made it through. I want to uh, play a, 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 an oldie but a goodie from the 1980s uh, by Mr. Barry Manilow. Oh, geez. I made it through the rain. I made it through the rain. I kept my world protected. I made it through the rain. I kept my point of view. I made it through. What a great ballad. And it it certainly sums up your current situation now, doesn't it? Well, probably. I, I mean, I, I, I got to tell you, I, I am not a Barry Manilow fan, but my wife, on the other hand, will be thrilled. She loves Barry Manilow, always has. So she will be over the moon that we selected a Barry Manilow song for the podcast, but it's not my, uh, it's not my cup of tea. Well, uh, nothing you can do about that. But so the COVID update is, uh, is on us. Your quarantine is over. You've made it through COVID. Why don't you give our, our listeners at home and those here in the studio audience who are all self-isolating, um, a little uh, overview of what you've been through the last uh, few weeks. All right, well, we can do that. COVID alert. COVID alert. Whoa. All right, buddy. So uh, in view of the COVID alert that uh, oftentimes we now hear ringing out across the land because uh, apparently cases are going up, but of course, hospitalizations, not deaths, not I just, at some point in time, I missed the memo and I'm going to go back and look. I'm going to check my email. I'm going to check my messages. I'm going to have our producer go through our various and sundry social media accounts because somewhere along the line, I missed the point where we decided no one could get sick, right? Because that's where we are, right? We are shutting down the economy again. I know here in the state in which I live, we're going back to the quote unquote safer at home. Close it down. Yeah, for some, you know, period of time because... We don't want people, and they've come out and said, look, you know, we're, we're not, in, the, the hospitals are not in danger of, you know, being overwhelmed. We we're not seeing an, 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 you know, an increase in the percentage of deaths. We're not, but what we are seeing just a skyrocketing number of people who are testing positive for COVID, which we all know 80% of the people who test positive for COVID are going to be asymptomatic, right? So they're not going to be sick at all. And then you've got a portion of folks that the damn near the rest of the people are going to be like me who felt like, well, yeah, I, I've been here before. I've had a cold. So was it was it worse than uh, what folks went through with the bubonic plague? No. I mean, I didn't, I wasn't so, around for that period of time, but, you know, my understanding was that, you know, like a third of Europe died and, uh, you know. So you stagger out of the COVID quarantine and uh, suddenly 
you're uh, facing these election results, right? We're still counting all over the place. Ballots are showing up left and right. Dead people are voting. People with the COVID are voting. Without the COVID, military, non-military, citizens, non-citizens, alive, dead. It doesn't matter. Uh, votes are just flying in. And, uh, and and what's your take on the big, uh, the big presidential election? Well, I think this will say it all, my friend. I mean, let's face it. The election is never going to be over. It's literally never going to be over. Why would you? So at this point, I mean, I haven't looked in the last three minutes, but it, you know, overnight, as I, I, don't, I don't have any idea how this happens. Apparently, they're mail-in ballots or whatever they are. But overnight, um, you know, if you're looking at this from from Trump's perspective, you, you just see vote after vote after vote for your opponent come in. None for you. And, you know, no explanation thereof as to how that can possibly be the case. And then you, you find out that people who died in the 1980s have voted and, you know, non-citizens of states have voted in those states. And there's more people voting than there were registered to vote. I mean, you just have all of this shenanigans. And, you know, who knows who's at fault and who knows who's to blame and who cares. But if you're Trump, why would you ever agree to the outcome of the ele election while all this is going on? Right. I mean, all it does is provide ammunition for him to file lawsuits and contest this and contest that, which, I mean, again, from his perspective, he should absolutely do. Right. I mean, you should get to the, the bottom of all of these shenanigans. And that is just going to take forever. So I, I, I don't know how this is going to work itself out. Do you think there's a chance that there could be some sort of um, provisional government put in place, maybe led by the head of the patent office, Andre Yonku? Now, see, now we're talking, my friend. I mean, I think. First of all, if he does put together a provisional government, you're not allowed to appeal that to the federal circuit, right? Because that's an institution decision. He will be instituting a new government. And as we're all aware here on the IP Frequently podcast and our listening audience is aware, that once Iancu makes an institution decision, that's not appealable. Doesn't matter, right? Even if he goes against his own regulations, that's not appealable. And so once he puts that government in place, he's all set. You can't appeal it. So you think there's a chance you're, you're giving that a 50% shot or taking a flyer on this? What do you think? Well, I think I certainly think that if Iancu puts together a government, that government's going to be in place until he decides to dismantle it, right? Because it's not, again, an institution decision is non-appealable. And I mean, who better to run the government than the director of the patent office? I mean, who, That's a good, who would you rather have? That's a good point. When you control patents, you control information or is that the mail that might be the mail i could be mixing that up well i mean if you, you can also mail patents and so i think you can combine those two things you can mail ballots you can mail ballots but they only come in in the middle of the night yeah That's under the cover amazing. of darkness yeah and they snuck this all by you uh during quarantine do you notice that the election wasn't held when you were well it was held when you were sick yeah what's up with that I have no idea. I have yeah. no idea. But and then uh, during the quarantine, as if it's bad enough that we don't have you out there as the beacon of light. Um, I don't want to really talk about light and shedding light into darkness right now because of the whole driveway light situation and the fact that I could very okay. well be testifying okay. about that very soon. Yeah. Um, but uh, you were sort of our beacon. Again, I don't want to use that either. Uh, you were sort of the role model that was leading the charge uh, for fair and uh, prompt and. Uh, expedient government with low taxes and low regulation. And, um, you know, they, they, they knock you down a couple of pegs. And then just when you start emerging 
like the Phoenix rising from Arizona, we have uh, big tech censoring your Twitter feed. How about that? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't, well, I don't understand how any of that works. I, I, the, the whole social media thing, again, I, there's a, uh, there's a documentary called the social dilemma that's big in my household. My wife and daughters have watched it. They recommend everybody do. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't pretend how any of that works. The, 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 the Twitter wants to, to, uh, you know, bar or ban or ban or bar the president of the United States. I mean, I, I'm just, I'm not exactly sure how any of that works or why, or why people allow it. I just don't know. Well, they barred you. First of all, they lock you up, right? Yes. And then they, they barred you. Correct. I mean, but what are you going to do? That's the world in which we now live. Unelected folks can restrict you to your home. Do you think that the patents of the, um, the big tech companies that have led the charge to one, basically quarantine you against your will and then two, throw out your Twitter feed. Do you think that uh, something should happen to those patents? Maybe you get to pick a handful. Well, you can actually do that. I mean, that's one of the upsides to the patent system is you can just go in and file an assignment with the patent office. And because that's just a magisterial thing they do, they're not going to check that. So maybe what we should just do is go in and take some of big tech's key patents and assign them to the IP frequently podcast. What do you think about that? Uh, you know, we, we could probably pick out a few. We could let, uh, you know, the guys here in the studio audience each pick a couple they want. And, and then heaven forbid, it's, it, 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 what's interesting is it's sort of like that, you, you know, the TV show, um, the, the Game of the Throne. Well, the, the guy with the dragons and he had the dragons, right? And mm-hmm. the dragons love the guy. And so when the guy was sick, right? Mm-hmm. The dragons didn't know what to do. They had no idea, right? They're just dragons, you know, running amok, okay? You go into quarantine. I mean, in the, in the famous words of uh, um, Billy Jill, they built you a temple, they lock you away. They mm-hmm. never told you the price that you pay for things you might've done. While you're in that temple, Ipedia has no one watching over it. There's no master, okay? It's unshackled. Okay, so maybe Ipedia goes out, picks a couple of patents. Maybe it's already done it. Maybe it's already happened. Maybe Ipedia is voting in these. Maybe it's got a deal with Dr. Jill Biden. Okay, not a doctor. Correct. That's that's a different podcast again. But um, look, I, I, the thing is, just when you think you know all the answers, Ipedia changes the question. And I should say at this point, uh, we are the IP Frequently podcast. We're brought to you by Ipedia. Ipedia the uh, Automation of innovation, the one-stop shopping solution for all of your patent and video game needs. So, Brad, uh, the new segment that everyone's been talking about as we sort of roll through our um, our Rolodex of fun, a wheel of fun, if you will, is the turkey of the week. And uh, this week, uh, the studio audience has put their collective head together and come up with uh, the turkey of the week being America Media and the American pollsters who are part of the media, and they're giving them four gobbles. Brad, what do you uh, think about that? Four gobbles. I think we should we should let that rip. <laughs> there you have it, my friend, the four gobbler. And uh, frankly, I don't know why it's not five. Anyway, uh, let's uh, move on to this week in licensing. This week in licensing is that uh, point in the show where we try to open the proverbial kimono and allow those of you in our studio audience and at home to ask questions of Brad as he uh, uh, tries to impart some of his wisdom on you from his 72 years 
of uh, licensing patents. He literally went right off the deck of a destroyer where he was a pugilist at heart, a pugilist, and uh, then started licensing patents. He actually licensed a couple of to Tojo at the end of the great one, but um, that's neither here nor there. Uh, but this week in licensing, we have a question from Armando, Armando in uh, Miami Beach. Uh, it says, Brad, um, I have a license agreement ready to go. I have a question. Should I number the paragraphs? So Armando in Miami Beach wants to know if he should number the paragraphs of his ready-to-go license agreement. Brad, what say you? I, I think I would number the paragraphs, but the key, Armando, is not to use any consistent numbering system because what then happens is people become convinced that paragraph six is going to follow paragraph five and paragraph seven is going to follow paragraph six. And that just leads people into sort of kind of droning their way through your license agreement and potentially missing some of the fantastic licensing aspects that you have uh, put into that agreement. And I'm sure it's taking you time and it's taking you, it's taking you effort. And, you know, no one likes to have their time and effort ignored. So what I like to do is I will number my paragraphs, but I will use different numbering systems. So for instance, you know, paragraph one, I may choose to do, uh, you know, just use like English numbers. So I, I might just use a one for the first paragraph. And then what I'm going to do following that is I'm going to go right to, uh, you know, probably just some different numbering system. Like maybe I'll go to Chinese for paragraph two. R. So that's two in Chinese for those of you R. scoring at home, right? And then you get to paragraph three and I'd use a letter for that, right? So if you're three, that's probably, depending on what alphabet you want to use, you're probably going to go with C for that, right? And then you get to paragraph four. That's almost certainly where you want to go Japanese. Young. And so you, you label that one number four. And then after that, you know, all bets are off. You could go Hindi for five. Bunch. You could go Hebrew for six. Shesh. And so on. You get to German, you do that for number seven. Sieben. And then you get back to English and on from there. So yes, I would use the numbers, um, but I would not use a consistent numbering system because if you do, people are just going to kind of go to sleep on you. They're going to miss all of that wonderful licensing knowledge you put into the agreement. And again, nobody likes to have their work ignored. Uh, well, there you go, Armando. There's your answer. Couldn't be clearer. Anyway, Barter Band is next. The Stevie Award winning um, uh, segment, Bronze Stevie Award winning segment. Again, that's it's up for another Bronze Stevie this year, and we're going to need all of you to vote. This week, Brad, we have uh, the Electoral College. Um, the Electoral College, should it be barred or banned? Um, or should it be bolstered? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. But again, this is a Bronze Stevie Award segment. Bar or band? Well, and after that, buddy, I mean, I think I, I, I really don't know the answer to this, but I get a kick out of folks who only want to bar or ban or potentially bolster the Electoral College when it is either running contrary to their desire for the outcome of a presidential election or it is, in fact, working to their advantage, right? Everyone likes to bitch about the Electoral College until it helps them. The invention of the week. It's back, the invention of the week. Everyone's favorite segment um, is the invention of the week because you learn something new about an invention 
that you didn't necessarily know anything about beforehand. The invention of the week. Ah, the Morbin Never Tabernacle Choir. Oh my goodness, they sound well said. amazing. Well said. Yeah, well, I, I, I was so I was in awe, and I was also expecting <laughs> Vincent Price. So that's well, uh, Vincent Price is you know well, he's out voting. That's what he's doing. Yeah. So Brad, uh, the invention of the week, our audience came together and they all voted and they decided that in keeping with the theme of inventions and uh, in keeping with the theme of elections, mm. the ballot box would be the invention of the week because it relates to the election. And of course, the ballot box was invented by a U.S. president, President Jerry Ford, um, who was president in the 1940s. And um, really an interesting um, sidebar about Jerry Ford is that he was, um, there was an assassination attempt on his life squeaky by Frome. Squeaky From. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. With a, with a squirt gun, I understand, or a starter's pistol. Something to that effect, yeah. But um, Brad, what can you tell us about uh, Jerry Ford and the ballot box? Well, you know, the, the ballot box was an interesting invention by President Ford. I mean, as, as I think folks who are old enough to remember his presidency and sort of the run up there, too, is that, uh, you know, he was something of an athlete growing up, played football and always enjoyed football, liked to ski. Uh, but he was also famous for his pratfalls. Right. And of course, Chevy Chase made that famous in Saturday Night Live, where every time he would uh, portray the president, he would be tripping over something. And, and that all arose because in point of fact, President Ford did trip over a box. And looking back, he gesticulated to his staff and to the Secret Service and said, look, if we're just going to leave that thing lying around, where it could potentially trip the president of the United States, we should stuff it with ballots. And because of, you know, I mean, it might as well serve me as the president some form and some purpose. And so that's what they did. They took that box that otherwise had no you know, appreciable use, and they stuffed it with ballots for President Ford. They called it, not surprisingly, the ballot box. And then he would carry that with him wherever he went in case he needed you know, an extra vote here, an extra vote there. And uh, you know, that is a democratic principle that has carried forward, certainly into the election in 2020, where, you know what, buddy, sometimes the number of people who actually voted just isn't the right number of people. Okay, good, good. Well, that I'll tell you what, the, the way they, I, I am excited because we're getting to these segments that come back from the shop and they're all gussied up. I mean, they are uh, really impressive and I'm, I'm really looking forward to the next one, which is the uh, world famous uh, IP frequently question of the week. So this week, the question of the week comes from Norman in Atlantic City. Norman in Atlantic City asks, hi, Brad, what is your favorite Thanksgiving side dish? Oh, that's a fantastic question. The question of the week. Just a great question. Now, side dishes- again, Hey, what, Brad, what was that? Was that like a bowling ball falling on the ground or was that another nuclear explosion? I'm not sure exactly what that was. I mean, it was the sound of, quite frankly, the question of the week. It just seems to have weight. You know what I mean? And especially if you can answer a question about side dishes at Thanksgiving. I mean, those things can be weighty as well. And you know what, Norm? I, I, you want to be careful this year, right? Before we get down to the favorite side dish, you want to be careful this year because you only have six people 
in your house for Thanksgiving because of the COVID, right? So COVID, a lot of people don't understand this. It doesn't affect five people, right? And six is right on the line as to where you might potentially get a cold. And if you have seven people in your house, well, then COVID is going to make a beeline for that resident. I mean, if you're only going to have six people over, side dishes are going to be big. People are going to be looking forward to that. I, of course, like the cranberry. I, I follow in my father's footsteps here. I roll old school. I like the cranberry that comes right out of the can. I like the ridges in it. None of this fancy cranberry stuff. And then I think you also have to give real consideration to the green bean mushroom casserole. Because when that's done right, green bean casserole. Yeah, yeah that's a uh, that that's a treat, my friend. That's a treat. A lot of people would go sweet. A lot of people would go sweet potato. That's not me. I don't like sweet potatoes, but I will do some cranberry sauce. I certainly will do the green bean casserole. Let me ask you this: You're much more of a, a culinary guy than I am. Is stuffing considered a side dish, or is that like part of the main course? It comes out of the turkey after all. It's a side dish, and I don't think you can cook stuffing in a turkey anymore. I think the government took that away from us in 1985. Oh my God. I didn't realize that. Well, I, I, I certainly appreciate the government stepping in there on our behalf. They usually do a good job of that. It's a botulism, you know? Well, let's see, Brad, we're down to our last segment, Time Machine. Time Machine is a segment where Brad goes back in time al fresco and tries to remedy a wrong. What we do is we send him back to key decision points in time with one item, right? And um, with uh, sort of a moral quandary, right? Brad, do you want to, uh, what do you think? Should we roll with the new um, lead in to Time Machine? I'm ready. So, back in time. This week, this week, we've got a, uh, a letter from uh, Emile in Paris, and Emile says that we should send Brad back to 1787 to the Constitutional Convention with two things, uh, with a description of how this election is currently unfolding, and with a 12-pack of Zima to confront the Founding Fathers and try to convince them either to continue down the path of setting up a democratic republic or to just scrap the whole thing. Uh, so, Brad, uh, you're back in Philadelphia. It's a warm summer, which is probably good that you're al fresco. You've got this description of what's going on, and uh, you've got the Zima, which I assume is ice cold because that's how you drink a Zima. Um, how do you how do you navigate through those uh, those waters? How do you uh, how do you uh, get the message across, and what do you try to achieve? Well, I, I, I mean, look, you you sit down you. Everyone enjoys the Zima, especially if it's ice cold. I mean, I think we've established that. I've got a 12-pack. People were much smaller in those days than they are now. I mean, being, you know, five and a half feet tall was considered, you know, lengthy. And so that Zima, you, you take that out. You take your your classic Jefferson cup. I mean, Jefferson never traveled without a, a Jefferson cup, right? And so very difficult to knock over. You don't want to spill any Zima. So you you have old Tom there pull out his collection of cups you pour the Zima around and you just gather everyone around and you say, look, fellas, all of us greatly appreciate the effort you put in. You've literally put your lives on the line. Uh, you put your family's lives on the line. You've got notions of freedom and free market economy and all men being created equal 
and you know all of those sorts of things that that we all look back on and just sort of and truly just sort of marvel at the foresight that our forefathers had to establish what is uh, unquestionably one of the greatest nations, if not the greatest nation that, that mankind has ever put together. And you look them straight in the eye and you say, hey, you know what, 200 years from now, this is going to shit. I think you just got to tell them. You just got to say, look, I, I know you guys put everything out there on the line. I know you fought a war for it. I know you suffered. Many of you have died. Family members have died. Um, but by the time we get to, uh, you know, just early in the 21st century, we have just made a complete shit show out of uh, what you guys fought and died for. I think you just got to be honest with them and everybody takes a sip of Zima. Well, there you go. I mean, that couldn't be clearer as well. That's a good, uh, a good uh, way to put it. I think there are a lot of things you can foreshadow. It's not like you want to give James Madison the results to the 1952 series so he could go make bank. I mean, that would be crazy. Well, hopefully, Brad, by the time we all meet again, this uh, election will be behind us and we can just sort of take a breath and move on. But I think this episode has been great. We've had some new segments that we've enjoyed. Uh, We have old ones that have come back stronger than ever. We talked about your favorite Thanksgiving side dish. And most importantly, most importantly, we've given folks an insight into the world of IP. Exactly. I mean, again, everything sort of comes back to that core that you and I are never going to leave. I, again, I agree with you. I think it was a good episode. We appreciate our studio audience, you know, being willing to at least virtually appear as we uh, get through the safer at home uh, one more time, again, in an effort to avoid a cold. We look forward to uh, seeing everybody back, hopefully physically, but if not virtually next week for another episode of IP Frequently. Because when I chase my fears away